fear, fight or flight, or maybe flow. Gaurav Badnagar. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership network that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by cocreationpartners.com. If you or your organization is not living up to its potential, or if fear is holding your organization back, reach out to Gaurav and his organization, Co-Creation Partners. Gaurav excels in helping leaders and their organizations build resilience in the face of challenges and achieve breakthrough business results. The key to it all is turning fear into learning. Check out Gaurav and his website, cocreationpartners.com. Get to the podcast. This episode, we're really going to be digging into creating the right organizational culture. We have Gaurav Bhatnagar on the line, and he is the man who founded Co-Creation, their Partners in Transformation. We're going to be talking about fear, firstly, as well. One of my favorite subjects, we're going to be digging into fear and how that affects in individuals' life, but also in an organizational culture. A lot of juicy subjects to dig into today. So, Gaurav, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Hell yeah, man. Let's get on with it. Awesome. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Sure. So, so Adam, my, my work for the last 20 years has been with, with organizations to really, really help them understand how to deal with fear. And, be, and that's because the, what I have realized through my work on myself, as well as with, with other organizations, is that the single biggest source of waste in an organization and in individuals' lives is fear. And if we don't reframe our relationship to fear, we actually can't drive sustainable performance and sustainable well-being for both organizations as well as the planet. So, so my work is all about fear and it started 20 years ago when I was an insecure, overachiever, really fearful myself, and you know, didn't even realize the kind of impact that I was having on myself and the people around me. And it's been a personal journey as well as a professional journey for me, which has been really at the core of all the work that I do. And let's touch on your origins briefly. I mean, you t- talk a bit about the journey there. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? And what, sure. what, did, you want to be, what did you want to be growing up? Because I'm assuming you wouldn't have thought, I'm going to create this organization, you know, focused on fear. And again, fear is quite a tough sell sometimes, especially to organizations. Sure. So my origin, I'm originally from India. I'm the son of a physicist. In fact, you know, topics like fear were never part of my life, uh, so rightly so. And I have lived all over the globe. I've lived in, in Hungary, in the US, in South Africa, in Dubai. And currently I'm coming to you from New York, which is where I've uh, had my home for the last 15 years. And so that's where I'm coming from. Uh, the work that, you know, with organizations, the way I talk about it is the work I'm doing is on creating a high performance culture. Because, because that's what is at the core of, of, of everything. In fact, there's a wonderful quote which goes, culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so you can have the best strategy in the world, but if your culture is not there, nothing is going to happen. So it's all about how you create a really powerful culture. Yeah. I know I mentioned to you when we initially spoke about fear and that I was very keen and 
to speak to you about it and it's what I'm writing the next book on. And one of the chapters in my first book, I titled it The Number One Destructive Emotion. I mean, what are your <laughs> thoughts around that? And obviously you focus in on fear, so you, you agree or feel it's a big deal too. What are your thoughts around fear as the, a destructive emotion? Sure. So here's the interesting thing, right? I mean, so the starting point for my work is that it's not something that you can ever escape from, right? Fear is like your shadow. The more you try and run away from it, the more it captures you and gets hold of you. So it's not about removing fear. It's about understanding how you engage with it. And that, as you said, it's a destructive emotion. And there's two ways we engage with fear. Either we, when we experience fear, we get into what is called a passive defensive attitude, which is, I'm feeling fearful, so I'm going to shut down. Mm. Or if I'm feeling fear, I get into an aggressive defensive stand, which is I'm going to fight. And neither of those are productive because when you fight, you actually antagonize other people. And when you, when you flight or freeze, then you actually don't live into your potential. And in both ways, it creates a lot of chaos around you and within you. And, and it actually does not help you to live into your potential. And it actually does not even allow you to see what your full potential is. And talking about full potential, and I feel one of the, for a lot of people, especially if they're sort of in a uh, organization themselves and always been in the corporate structure, starting that, founding that business and going out on their own is a huge fear, <laughs> fear factor. And that is like, like lots of people could do it. Obviously, whether they want to do it or not is another thing, or they just like the thought of it. Oh, I bet that'd be nice, but it's not for me or I couldn't do that. I mean, you moved all around and up to like 2010 or you were, you know, in a, you know, in the corporate environment in some way, shape or form, it seems. What was that fear like for you personally in founding a business and going out on your own? Um, and talk to us about the, the, the struggles of when you did it to do it and how was it? Sure. I mean, I still remember the first time I thought about it was 2008. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was, I was in the US and we were in the depth of a recession. And I remember uh, talking about it to my mother. And my mother looked at me and said, Gaurav, are you crazy? Uh, you, you have a good job. You have young children. This is the thing you come up against. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Absolutely. in 2008, how old were your children at that point? Um, well, my daughter would have been eight years old and my son would have been 11. Mm -hmm. A couple of perfect excuses not to go for it. Because sure. that's what a yeah. lot of people go, oh, I, I'd love to do that. I can't do it like you because I've got a couple of kids and, you know, I have to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and by the way, and basically, you know, it was almost like my corporate career was like a golden shackle. Right. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. the, right. You, you're making a lot of money and all of that stuff. And, you know, and at that point, I was doing a lot of reading about people who've, who've done breakthrough things. And whether it's uh, Elon Musk or uh, the guy who started Starbucks, the one thing you, you regularly realize about them is they don't, they don't ask the question why I cannot do it. The only thing that drives them is what is it that they want to do? You know, if you get down to uh, questioning whether it's possible, fear completely gets you stuck. The thing that you have to stay with it is stay with is how much do you actually find passion in your desire? 
Mm. And it's the passion of your desire that allows you to overcome the fear of moving forward. Because as you look at your current circumstances, it will never tell you whether you can achieve in the future or not. Chances are, it'll tell you you cannot, right? My children, what will happen, right? In my case, actually, it was personally, one is that I really, really wanted to do something which I passionately believed in. Mm. But I have to be honest, the, the other reason I was able to do it was because my wife told me, what is the worst thing that can happen? Yes, right? that is a very and, powerful, you know, if you really look into that, what is the worst thing that can happen? I, I think it's very powerful exercise. Yeah, and then she was there by my side, which really helped as well. And sometimes finding, uh, you know, anchors of people or things that can support you through the journey becomes really important. For other people who maybe they're, they're aware of it, they genuinely, they want to do things like this. They want to make changes, but they're not, you know, that they're 2008 as now they were like you, they thought about it and now it's 2020 and they still haven't acted on it for no real reason other than fear. Ultimately, what are your thoughts to them and how they can love to learn from it? Yeah. By the way, in, uh, in 2020, now there's something you can add to the fear, which is COVID. Oh my goodness. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so just, just a quick aside. In fact, to me, COVID is the beautiful, beautiful social experiment that is going on today because... Yeah, oh, well, the fear thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating in terms, obviously, it's not good, but it's fascinating. There's some real fear and then there's a huge amount of just, just fear, you know? Sure. See, we as human beings try and be in control all, all the time. And what COVID is actually showing us is how little control we have. Oh, right. Yeah. And fear is ultimately about trying to maintain control. And the interesting thing about leaders who are really, really powerful is they understand that they don't have control. All they have is choice. And the choices they'll make will lead to new situations where they have to make new choices. Mm. So here's, here's the basic idea with fear, right? Fear in itself is not a problem. It's the story that we have about fear. Right? So if I, am, if I am in an organization and my boss is being terrible to me, but I'm saying nothing about it. And I ask you, so why are you not saying, not saying anything about it, Adam? And you turn around and say, because it's, it'll be a career limiting move. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now I have a story, which is if I speak up, I'm limiting my career. And everything else now gets driven by that. And often we don't even realize the stories we are creating about fear. So my work is about helping people see that story and then to ask them, how is it serving you? But even more importantly, how is it not serving you? What is it preventing you from achieving? Yeah, and what is it based on? Is it based on just... Yes random ideas or is there any fact because like someone else could flip it and say i have to speak up because if mm -hmm. i don't speak up that will limit my career like exactly. this organization and leaders needs people who are actually gonna not just keep their head down they're gonna have to speak up and you see that happen Absolutely. where someone else is like whoa i can't believe they they, they they spoke up i was thinking that i wish i'd said that they say it and then you know you've got someone who you're gonna have a yeah. conversation with debate and you need that to obviously you don't want yes men or women Definitely. And, and if you are, think about it, most fear it is emotional in nature, which is all about, it's a made up story rather than the truth. 
when it's physical fear, I tell you, if someone's coming at you with a knife, you better run away. Yeah, oh yeah. But, right? But when it's emotional fear, it is a story. And it's basically, are you stuck in your story or are you creating a new story that allows you to see the possibility in the moment? And that's the work. It's how do you get people to see the possibility, as you said, if I don't speak up, I'm limiting my career, right? Yeah. And what will it take for people to step into that? And how do you give them small experiments to move into that new direction? Because fundamentally, all we are as human beings are creatures that are conditioned by the stories we create. Yeah. Just little positive reinforcements. That person who, like, they take that bold action for them and they just speak up a little bit. And, oh, wait a minute. If they get a little bit, it's not as bad as they thought. And they actually feel good about it. That little bit of positive reinforcement is that compounding effect. And I think of it in the other way. If you, you feel that moment and you don't speak up and kind of like a little piece of you dies and you're like, ugh. It's that, I just think that's not once. Because if you're going to do it once, then it's, you get into the habit and you, you think, well, I've decided I'm not going to speak up in those scenarios. And it's just over weeks, yep. months, years. And oh my goodness. And, and Adam, the other thing I'd add to that, which is really interesting, I love this conversation, which is if you look back at the most significant of, uh, moments of your life where you've learned a lot, if you look at them, Prior to that learning, there was a lot of fear. But now you look back at it and you say, wow, I thank God I went through it. Right? So learning and growth always comes with fear. Especially when it's significant learning and growth. And, and to help people see that, to say, you know what? Fear is not a thing that limits you. Fear is actually teaching you where your learning points are, where your learning edges. That's really the work. Mm. And so many senior leaders in organizations, even though they're successful, they are still stuck in fear. And that's why they're still doing the same old predictable thing and not being able to take their organization to the next level. For me as well, if there's an area, like you say, I'm fearful of, it's usually one that I, I know I need. So again, it's, mm -hmm. it's obviously necessarily, you don't want to just try and be a, really strong in all areas. You spread yourself. But if it's something mm -hmm. that I know would benefit me and I know I need... And but also linked to that, I know maybe it's a weakness and my, my knowledge is down or there's too many unknowns, then that's an area that will definitely have fear attached to it because I know I'm going to come into that area or arena very soon and I'm going to be unprepared. So that's sure. an area. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I'm working with you, I will, what I would do is two things. I would say, hey, Adam, it's normal to feel fear. So take it, embrace it because that's teaching you where you need to learn. And the other thing I'll ask is, how excited are you about getting going to this wonderful place that you really want to be? Because those are the two drivers to create momentum. Yeah. How much is the excitement and how much can you be okay with experiencing? Who helped awaken your alpha you know, to make these bold choices? Or is there anyone who inspired you from afar? You sure. talked about some, like, some well-known entrepreneurs and you thought they've all had their moments where they had to kind of step forward. A little old lady who was at that point probably 69 years old. This is 2002, long before. Okay. Uh, she's a British lady called Geeta Bellan with an Indian name. In fact, when I first met her, I was super cynical about her and I said, oh, she's a fraud. She's taken an Indian name to convince her she knows something. But she's the one who first actually helped me see that there were things that I did not understand and I wasn't looking at. And she was the one who first introduced the idea of fear being a wonderful opportunity for growth. And she was, uh, the way I got in, uh, met her was 
I was in South Africa and there was this organization, the organization I worked for wasn't doing too well. And we tried all kinds of things, nothing had worked. And she came in to work individually with all of us. Ah. And she had such, um, you know, she had no organization experience, but she had this amazing wisdom in her. And, and I got really drawn to her because she helped me see things in life which I could never see before. She was this amazing little lady who, when she spoke, you just kept quiet and listened. Now Powerful. that to me is real alpha. <laughs> yeah, and also it seems like you are doing a very similar role in businesses now, going into businesses. Would that be fair? That's what my hope is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone's talking about you. We went down the line saying, this, this guy, Gurab, he, he, he inspired me. That's, that's the man. Hey man, that would be amazing. Yeah, no, actually that's, and you know, my work is all about helping people that spark show up in someone's eyes when they realize, oh my God, I have been my, own, my greatest enemy in limiting myself through my fear. And now imagine a whole organization of people with sparkly eyes who are seeing fear as an opportunity to learn and drive performance rather than an opportunity to just say, oh my God, life is yeah. miserable, I'm stuck, <laughs> people are out to screw me, all of that stuff. Wow, that's powerful, very powerful. 2008, very specific economic circumstances. 2020, now we're kind of potentially going that way again for a different reason. I want to talk about fear as the silent economic killer you know, how to potentially mm -hmm. overcome it and create success and well-being. There'd be a lot of people who are going out on their own after this, or maybe some people will be going the other way, like their business may have failed and they feel like, oh, I'm going to go and try and get a job. I mean, maybe it's not the best time to do that. And you talk about control. When you've got your own business, yeah, adversity comes, but you've got a lot more control because you can pivot a bit. Whereas if you're in an organization, you may be just sort of crossing your fingers and hoping the organization doesn't go under or you don't get made redundant or furloughed, whatever they want to call it. So talk to us about fear as a silent economic killer and also in the current situation. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? So the reason why I call it the silent economic killer is because hardly anyone wants to talk about fear, <laughs> right? So it always lives yep. in the shadows. It's living in the shadows. Everyone knows it, but no one talks about it. And people talk about the symptoms but what they're not really talking about is the deeper fear that, that leads to all, all of this stuff, right? So a lot of the decisions that have been made are fear-based decisions. The furloughs are fear-based decisions. People are not saying, oh, this has happened. What is the opportunity here, right? So even an individual in an organization, you know, you, you're saying, oh my God, the organization might go under and stuff like that. I wonder what happens if when people notice that going on for them, whether they can ask the question, so what opportunity does it create for me? Yeah, definitely. Right? And that's the real conversation. What opportunity does this create for me? How does it allow me to show up differently? And I'll give you a very simple example for myself. So my first reaction when this happened, I'm a, I'm a facilitator first of all, so my work is going to organizations and running workshops. This thing happens and suddenly my business disappears, right? And the first thing is, oh my God, what's gonna happen is back to, you know, 2008, I'm leaving my job, that kind of stuff. And then I say, okay, 
what do I do? How do I reinvent myself? How cool would it be if I can learn from this and reinvent myself? And all I've been doing is figuring out how to use technology to do this work. And now, even as we emerge out of this, I'm working with many international organizations where my big sell to them is we can create really powerful virtual workshops for learning for you that allows your people not to travel across the globe and we can more cost effectively give you the same experience that you would have had with you find people around the world spending hundreds of thousand dollars to come and meet me in Europe from across the globe. And suddenly there's a whole new opportunity that opened yeah, up. It just up. changed the perspective. Like, oh, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we don't do as human beings. Yeah. And I hope when, when we, I mean, the world seems like it's going to change permanently, but, and I'm glad that there's, that people will be more open to, you know, that you yeah. likely won't be, won't be traveling all around the world as much when it's all back and you've had that opportunity mm -hmm. because like organizations, like you say, they've been exposed. They've seen this maybe as a more efficient way or a different op a different way to do things. I mean, and for you, you know, that various, you'll be able to work from home a bit more probably. And you know, it's, yeah, it's good for the environment. It's good for every, the whole world what people should be doing in organizations well, is having <laughs> my stool just <laughs> oh my god that was so close to that was real fear that was real fear i'm going to keep that in the interview so there are times when i feared for my my neck then this stool my my butt is too fat i think i geez this is a cast iron stool and it's i've broken it somehow well it's, it's settled down now Woo! definitely was fearful then and there was good reason <laughs> sorry to distract you yeah <laughs> that was not silent <laughs> whoa i can't wait to see the video of that my uh, my eyes must have gone wide there <laughs> yeah. so right anyway sorry <laughs> we were talking about real fear and fake fear and silent fear yeah <laughs> so so one of the things that i'm encouraging organizations to do is actually remove the silence around the fear and engage the organization in having conversations about all the fear that this current crisis is creating. Because when you start talking about it, suddenly, and not talk about it in a hierarchical way, but actually have everyone in the organization talk about it, by the way, not just about COVID, but about all the stuff that has happened in terms of the racial tensions in the oh country. Oh my goodness, yeah. Right? Now, collectively, you can actually come up with ideas which allow for the organization to emerge in new ways. When you don't talk about it, Everything is suppressed and everyone's trying, everyone goes to one answer, which is how do I cut costs? And that actually has significant negative economic impact on the organization as well as the economy. What, what really needs to happen is for someone to have the courage to be vulnerable and talk about it and role model it to the rest of the system. That's what really allows for a high performing organization to happen. When you can talk about it, versus you avoid talking about it. Yeah, I'm interested to know if you've got any thoughts around the so the individual who's maybe like I get all this, like I'm, I love the sound of this. That yeah, yeah, we need more courage, but I feel like I just they're not they don't have courage. Like how can I have more courage? And also like we talked talk about at the start, you know there are um, there are reason, real situations where you you should have a certain level of fear. Is there for you know? less and less nowadays self-preservation and not just running headlong and going off a cliff or you know or into traffic or you know doing crazy sure. things suicide missions of just like i can do it and clearly you can't or it's not possible and then obviously someone who's like well actually i could get hurt but then they're using that as an excuse 
and their, their, their courage meter is just too far down and they, they just can't get out of their own way. Are there any thoughts about that? Sure. So, so I mean, this is, this is, you know, you're, I wish I could invite you to one of my workshops because this is exactly what the conversation is about. Physical fear is something that you do not ignore. You have to preserve yourself when you're faced with physical fear. Emotional fear is a completely different idea. You know, often in workshops, what I do is I go up in front of the room and I ask people to look at me very carefully and I hold a pen in my hand and then I say, I want you to tell me what happened. And I, you know, I release it and the pen falls and I say, what happened? And people say, oh, gravity. You know, and then I say, okay. And then I hold the pen again. I say, I'll do some magic to the pen and whatever. And then I keep holding on to the pen and the pen doesn't fall. And says, what happened now? People say, people say, you didn't let it go. I said, but you just told me gravity was the answer, right? But did the gravity suddenly disappear? And gravity doesn't disappear, but we as human beings condition ourselves when we are fear oriented to give excuses and blame other things for what's going on. And we forget that we have choice in the matter. We start behaving like victims of the situation. And there's nothing, yes, we are victims, but the problem is when we behave like victims, we disempower ourselves. Mm. The question is not whether you're a victim in the situation or not. The question is, do you operate from a place of mastery and you ask yourself, now that this has happened, what choice can I make so that I can get into a new place? No one is saying that COVID is not real, right? But now that COVID has happened, do you just blame? Do you just say, oh my God, life is miserable? Or do you say, yes, it has happened. Now, what do I do with it? And there's a wonderful book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yeah. It's one of my top recommended books. The guy's in a concentration camp and he says, the last of the human freedoms is the ability to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances. The ability to choose your own way. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. Yes, you are experiencing tough situations. Do you give into it and just collapse into being a victim of the situation? Or do you actually say, I have a choice in terms of my response? Yeah, such a powerful book. If anyone listening, it's like about 160 pages. And if you feel it's just like a perspective slap around the face, because I don't think you'll be in anywhere near as bad a situation as uh, this gentleman. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's horrific, but it's also, it's just a big perspective and makes you really... I come out of it just feeling like really appreciating life even more. Yeah. And I think for the majority of us, we're touch wood, never going to experience anything as horrific as that. So. Yeah, and even in that situation, these, what he tells us is you can have a choice. He was a psychologist, I believe. And yes. yeah, he was just used it as almost, he just kept himself mentally active and just seeing mm -hmm. what happened and who did survive, who didn't survive in certain scenarios and attitudes. And you could see that someone had just, mentally given up a huge book recommendation and that can lead us into the alpha round i usually mm -hmm. ask about a book recommendation that may be it or they'll give you opportunity for another one so is there any other books that were impactful for you or you recommend around this subject of fear potentially so there's another book which is really fascinating but it's it, the first 20 pages are a tough read but after that it becomes brilliant it's called 40 rules of love 
what has that got to do with fear? Forty Rules of Love is is actually a story. It's a fictional story, but it's also talks about uh, Rumi, who was a uh, who was a Sufi scholar, and the uh, guy called Shams of Tabriz, who was the guy who actually made him into a poet. And it's this this guy Shams of Tabriz is is a man who lives his 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 values in himself in a completely unapologetic way and with completely without fear and teaches Rumi how you know you can go from being scholarly to truly being a poet and understanding the magnificence of life and it's a beautiful book to read if you if you, if someone wants to really get into the more subtle aspects of of overcoming fear Awesome. Great recommendation. And you mentioned a, a good quote or two near the start, but is there a particular quote that's maybe your all-time favorite quote or just one you like to share? You might have it up in your office somewhere or just the, the answer to when someone yeah. puts you on the spot like this. <laughs> I, I, I have actually two, two. I have two favorite ones. One is angels fly because they take themselves lightly. <laughs> I like, I've never heard that one. I like that one. Yeah, I, I think it's beautiful because it's all, that's the whole attitude. If you take yourself lightly, you can actually make magic happen. And the other one is a candle loses nothing by lighting another. Oh, that's very Awaken Your Alpha, that one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Adding that to my list, that's awesome, awesome recommendations. Is there any particular resources that you use and you think they're good, worth a recommendation, or um, it may be a well-known resource, but you use it in a different way. And it could be to do with life or business. Is there anything that springs to mind? So this is my time to make a pitch. I'm, about, I'm in the process of writing a book. It is called Fear and Learning in the Workplace. So that would be a tremendous resource for people. <laughs> uh, but, there is, <laughs> but there is actually a tool, which is an, a tool where, which can really help us understand how much are we in fear versus not? And it's a tool from a company called Human Synergistics, and it's called the Lifestyle Inventory Index. It's called LSI, which actually tells you how much are you operating from a place of wisdom or a place of fear? And what are the behaviors that you show when you are operating from a place of fear? Are you a fighter or are you a flighter? And it gives you ideas on what are the things that you need to work on which is really, really powerful. And I think costs about 30 bucks to go and do online. What a recommendation. I'm glad I asked that. I would sometimes ask that. And, you know, there's not always an obvious recommendation, but there's some great ones there. And having gone through the bulk of the interview, who from your network you'd recommend then for Awaken Your Album? You'd say, hey, actually, I can maybe connect you or you think this is the person who needs to be on this show. So the, the one guy I would strongly recommend to be on the show, which is a guy who's called Nick Sanchez. Nick is a really interesting guy because he's just, he had a super successful career, which he star, which he basically he used to, he was the chief human officer, human resource officer for a company called Namely. And he's given that up because he felt that there's a lot of work to be done in America. And he's gone in, and quit that. And he's now working with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and things like that to actually reinvigorate societal uh, well-being in America. And he has a wonderful, beautiful story. And he's a very, very thoughtful man. And I think he would be brilliant for your podcast. Oh, yeah. I'd love to connect with him. That sounds, you know, very, Let me know and I'll introduce you to him. He is great. 
Brilliant. And if people want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way they can connect? Um, yeah, sure. So there's a couple of ways. Obviously, you can go find me on LinkedIn, but the best thing would be to go to my website, www.cocreationpartners.com. And you'll you'll be able to get hold of me from there. There are some videos up there of us talking in more in depth about these things as well as my email. So you can, you can reach out to me from there. I think it's more rare in general and especially with the work you're doing in organizations, probably less relevant, but I'm sure you have an opinion. The person who's tackled fear and their relationship to fear is almost too far the other way. They are the sort of person who goes, I have no fear. And they run into situations and they get in dangerous situations and likely quite a few of them end up dying for certain reasons. Can you notice that person who has an unhealthy relationship with fear the other way, the other end of the spectrum where they're like, hey, I don't fear anything. Like you say, there, there's certain situations you should rightfully fear in, unless you have a death wish. So sure. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's talked about even less than the, you know, the more common fear. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? Have you had any experiences? And you know, I think that's an interesting uh, topic as well. Yeah, I mean, so, so here's the interesting thing. People who have an unhandly relationship to fear in terms of the other direction actually are often, the problem is bravado more than anything else. Yeah. It's actually not that they've made, they've made sense of fear because people, people who have a healthy relationship with fear respect fear a lot, mm. right? Because, because it is a guide for them, right? People who, are, who, who go foolishly and go and do crazy things are people who often have not really been thoughtful enough about it. And it's interesting about the age thing because I interview a lot of people and let's say like they say, oh, well, the things I did when I was 20 or 30, and it was, and it's like that. It's almost like their knowledge is sort of crept up, and they're like, "I can't believe I did that." And it was almost, yeah, they 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 didn't have the knowledge to realize what they're doing was so dangerous. And you know, hopefully, people get to that age because you know, stuff does go wrong, and you hear these sure. you know, horror stories of people feel like they're invincible. And also, there's certain professions where it's encouraged to to not be fearful of situations, but just to rely on your training and just kind of go head first. Yeah, and to me, to me, actually, that's when there's, there's this misperception of being fearless. And actually, there's not, that, that's not possible. I agree. Yeah. And, and people who say I'm fearless are actually being really dangerous with their, with their own body and with other people. You know, then it becomes thoughtless, right? You cannot actually engage with fear effectively if you're being thoughtless. You actually need to reflect quite a bit before when you're engaging with fear. Yeah. I mean, for the majority of us, that, that fearless word, I think of it as, yes, fearless. The majority of us should really fear less. But when someone says I'm fearless, you're like, okay. So you, we can all imagine a situation, lay it out for them like the worst. And you're telling me you would not have any fear if you were going into that situation. They'd be like, oh, when I say I'm fearless, I, I mean, apart from that situation. <laughs> so unless, you know, unless they are completely. So I, 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 I would like to change the word fearless to fear learn. Oh, yes. I like right? that. So learn from your fear rather than lessen your fear or fear less. It's, it's about learning. It's a different way of engaging with fear versus I'm scared or I'm not scared. It's about what can I learn from it and how do I use it to actually be more effective? Yeah. And it's interesting coming back to core human response and also yes or no, fear or not fear, fight or flight. There's, everyone always says, oh, fight or flight. Where's the one where you kind of like, 
hmm, like you say, learn, try and learn from it. Or like maybe something in the middle, because yeah. not everything has to be a fight or flight. What about actually staying there and you know, seeing what's going on? Unless it is a tiger running at you or something. Then. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> we, we call, the word we use for that is flow. Ah. How do you flow. How do you use fear and engage with it lightly so that you can learn from it and flow with it? I like it, Matt. I could keep talking all day, but I'm aware of the time. So if you want to find out more, you've got to follow up with Gaurav. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. And I, I know this is a passionate topic for you. So I'd love for us to continue the conversation. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This episode is sponsored by cocreationpartners.com. If you or your organization is not living up to its potential, or if fear is holding your organization back, reach out to Gaurav and his organization, Co-Creation Partners. Gaurav excels in helping leaders and their organizations build resilience in the face of challenges and achieve breakthrough business results. The key to it all is turning fear into learning. Check out Gaurav and his website, cocreationpartners.com. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast.